Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next couple of hours as we talk sports with you. Heavy basketball in hour number one. We will move around the sports in hour number two. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Uh, Reese Morgan, uh, etc. had an opportunity to speak with Gary Barta. Mark did. Uh, we'll get some of the info that came out of that, including a five to play five, which while we were off the air yesterday, uh, certainly would have been a talking point. So I'm assuming that will come up. And then uh, Andrew Logue, Trent and I are going to do a little baseball as baseball season creeps near. And thank God because basketball season and oh how we bitched and moaned last year that it was over on March the 1st essentially for both of the teams last year kind of get the feeling Trent that uh, with the misery that the fan bases are currently uh, going through that maybe last year wasn't so bad yeah it's uh it's been a difficult slog here the last couple of weeks a lot of frustrations a lot of angst and a lot of rumors also going on about what's uh, actually happening inside the locker room, certainly up at Iowa State. No doubt about it, and Prome, to his credit, he didn't duck it last night. He addressed it. He was asked it after the game with uh, Randy Peterson and Mark Morehouse, both making the long trip. It's uh, too bad some of Iowa State's players didn't decide to make that trip yesterday. It seems like they've checked out. Go a lot of directions. Who's this on? Is it the head coach? Look, to me, the biggest disgrace of the entire night, not the score. Watching Cam Lard on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, just he was having a blast, Trent. I'm yucking never, it up. Just yucking it up. It, a complete gutter belly laugh. I mean, he was whatever. And you look at the scoreboard, and they're down 15 or 18, whatever the hell it was at the time. But he found some humor in that, and um, the cameras caught him at the worst time. That was an awful look out of a three-time suspended cyclone who was stapled to the bench last night for all but nine minutes. And if I've seen Prohm, I've seen, the, I've seen enough of Cam Lard, and he can spend the rest of his time on the bench, and let's get George Condit. Give him those minutes, Trent, because yeah. at least he's got a pulse. He's got a pulse. He saw Jacobson trying to be a leader. I Loved don't know. what he did, Trent. I know that it's probably not going over well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, but that's what you want, an upperclassman Somebody trying to take control. Somebody has to do yes. it. And him and Taylor Horton Tucker, if you saw the video from last night watching the game, it was demonstrative on mm-hmm. both sides. And it was. That's well, frustration. I think anybody that's played team sports has been in a situation like that, that, that understands when things start to go awry, personalities start to conflict, and, and guys, you try to push any button possible. There are just some times that there's no coming back, and, and to me it really feels that way with Iowa State. We've talked about the talent. Yep. We, we talked about end of January about this team winning a regular season crown, and now... This team doesn't look like they win another game the rest of the year. No, I mean, look, if they have any heart, and I don't believe they do, they'll go. They'll show up at 1 o'clock at Hilton Coliseum to bid their seniors and their fans adieu until next year. A building that they owned until this year where they've lost three, Baylor, mm-hmm. TCU, K-State, have all come in and have all left with a, with a win. 
when in, in years past that was just impossible to think about. And here comes maybe the Big 12's best team who's going to be playing for a championship or a chance to share, certainly, uh, to stake their claim. If they have any heart, they'll show up and they'll play. I'm. What leads you to believe that that's going to happen? Nothing you saw last night as uh, West Virginia was hitting threes from all over the place. A, a, an absolutely confounding stat. They had 24 first half points in the paint on layups. It wasn't ducks, mm. it wasn't breakaways, it wasn't There's that they that were getting defense. past any. Layups. Yep. Game after and a game, half. A, a game after game, Trent, that's yeah. been an issue. A team hits threes, okay. Yeah. It's frustrating, but yeah. that happens. Teams get hot, but to give up 12 layups and a half? And, and the offensive rebounds, I mean, they just dominated on second chance points. A lot of those were those layups that you referred mm-hmm. to. Like, I'm trying to find a positive. I guess if you're looking for a positive, it's our buddy Shelby Mast, <laughs> who's our bracketologist. He's also Gannett. Well, he's Gannett's, and we claim him. Yes, yes. But as of this morning, Shelby has uh, Iowa State as a seven seed in downtown Des Moines. Whoa. So that, that would uh, make the fan base. Look, you should save a little money. Uh, you don't have to travel to see this team lose in the first round. You can you can stay at home, um, but I, I guess that would be the silver lining. Look, the silver lining to me is is clearly Michael Jacobson has established leadership, and I go back to the Cyhawk game where he injected himself into that rivalry in a big time way, mm-hmm. and I and I love that Connor McCaffrey initiated it. I loved it that Michael Jacobson didn't back down at Carver Hawkeye, and I loved it even more that Cordell Pemsel came to the aid of his teammate, and it was on. You know, as far as basketball, little brouhaha's. And at that point, you knew Michael Jacobson's got a little bit... I didn't know he had that kind of personality. Then you hear the thing about him in Wigington. Not physical, but certainly there were some words exchanged as um, Jacobson allegedly wasn't happy with his sophomore teammate. And and then we saw it last night when he tried to call the guys together, you know, in in the huddle at the top of the key uh, during a timeout. And... Uh, Horton Tucker was, I don't know, 10 or 12 feet away, and it looked as though he, the last thing he wanted to do was come over and talk to his teammates. And Jacobson shouted at him, pointed at him to get in here, and then pushed him. And the push was, okay, not, not the best optics, not the, you don't want to see that necessarily, but you know what? If there was a time to do it, it was certainly then. Michael Jacobson is the leader of that team. Uh, whatever Nick Weiler, Bab, whatever medicine, whatever vitamins they gave him, can they give a little of that to Shayok in time for Saturday? This was a guy who was extremely doubtful, and he played 35 of the 40 minutes. They said once he got started, though, that they felt, I, I saw the note from, I think, Pete or Travis, the, one of the two guys that were there, yep. that said before the game, once he gets going, they think he's going to be all right. There's probably an injury that you didn't want him to sit for long stretches, so if you're going to play him, you're going to have him be out there basically the whole time. You mentioned the possibility and Shelby having Iowa State as a 7. Here's the great news, and maybe something that is hopeful, because this team is broken. This team has big-time issues. There's no doubt about that. Where but does it start? Right at the top? We'll save that for a minute, but go ahead we'll, and finish we'll, your point. We'll get there. But we've talked about how bad this bubble is. I mean, are you scared, even Iowa State, against St. John's? I mean, that team is broken, too. Yeah. Other I, 10 seeds out of Minnesota? I guess someone has to win. Right, somebody does. VCU. Yeah, I like this Minnesota team. That was a nice win they had the other day. Seton Hall, yeah. Florida. No. Yeah, it's just when Did you look Florida at the matchups. LSU play a real close one. It was. Went last down night to or two nights? That was last night. Yep. Last night? Good one. And it went to overtime. That was mm-hmm. a fun game. Florida probably should have got it done in the mm-hmm. end of regulation. But my point is, none of these teams are great. None of these teams are anybody you should be scared of. And like you said, somebody has to win. Yeah, I mean, Trent, there was, uh, you know, we go back four weeks and we were talking about which of the two teams has the best chance to, 
you know, move to the, and we don't know matchups, obviously, but the way that they were playing, which of them has an opportunity to get to the second week of the tournament? And we both felt good that, you know, there's a chance either one of them can. Mm-hmm. We'll get to see Iowa tonight. We're going to talk to Jim Polzin, who covers the uh, Badgers and has for a long time, Wisconsin State Journal, correct? Yep. Uh, he'll join us at about 1025, long time uh, Badger beat writer, whether it's football or basketball, so it's senior night there. We'll talk about Wisconsin. Do you remember... What this game has in common, this Wisconsin-Iowa game, What's well, there's probably other similarities, but what does it have uh, that you go back to November the 30th that that game also had? Mm. You got me. <laughs> uh, Gary Dolphin was suspended ah, for that one, too. Yes, that's a good call, yes. Uh, that was the Macy Daly incident if you want to call it that 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 game began big 10 play all the way back at the end of november so we'll do that uh we're going to talk to uh carrie miller from bleacher report go around college basketball in a national perspective with him mark morehouse cedar rapids gazette it's been about a month or so since we've spoken with mark reese morgan going into retirement trent um you know the impact that a coach or a person had, whatever their uh, profession is, when in a time like this, when a guy is walking away, what some of the people that have worked with him, worked for him, been coached by him in this case, have to say. And the outpouring of love, quite frankly, by his former players uh, when the announcement was made was something that certainly I, I thought jumped out. Guys from all walks, too, from guys that turn out to be NFL stars, too, Guys that never got off and, right. and played meaningful minutes for uh, for the Hawkeyes throughout his tenure. A guy that could transform offensive line, defensive line, a very good coach there. But maybe the biggest thing is what he unearthed here in Iowa and surrounding states and the, mm-hmm. the small-town guys that he was able to pull out there, the guys that didn't have the big offers from Josie Jewell to Chad Greenway and everybody in between. It was one of those factors where Kirk trusted him. Yes, And these were guys that didn't have... Josie Jewell is on his way to play. Stay home and play at Luther. And now he's a Bronco. Play D3 football. As a Denver Bronco, I mean. He's going to play in the Iowa Conference. Yeah. Back when it was the Iowa All Conference. Right. That's where he was going. Hey, let's take a look at this guy. And most head coaches would say to their assistant that would come to him, come on, mm-hmm. there's there's other guys that we can target. But time in and time out, the last-minute guy from Bannon Myers here locally down to PCM all the way through those guys was turned out Myers to be, a Morgan guy too. I that was last that. minute, wow. and uh, in fact, he that was last minute for yeah, sure. He was on his way to you and I. Yeah, and it was a signing day flip that and played what eight years in the NFL. Yeah. I think Terez McCrary, I believe, was the kid's name that was committed to Iowa. Really, he uh, was a kid from Miami. Really yeah. good prospect. Yeah. Got a last minute from the U. He had a young son uh, in high school. Wanted to stay close to home. Got a chance to play at the U. Mm-hmm. So we have a scholarship. Call that Myers kid over at PCM. You know, of all the tweets from yesterday, and there was a lot of glowing praise, it was a former Cyclone who I thought really summed it up and, and really resonated with me. And one of the greatest Cyclones to play the position of wide receiver, in my opinion, Todd Blythe, uh, who just dominated during uh, his time at Iowa State. He tweeted out that Reese Morgan, every time that the Cyhawk game would be played, Reese Morgan would find Todd on the field and would come up to him and speak to him and ask him how his parents were doing because he recruited Todd. Um, and obviously we know it didn't go his way. But despite that fact, uh, Blythe mentioned in his tweet that every Cyhawk season, our Cyhawks game, uh, 
Reese Morgan would search him out. So that goes a long way, at least to me, of telling you, you know, what kind of person this was. But let's get back to last night's awesome, um, just, I mean, it wasn't an awesome shooting night for Westford. Maybe it was by their standards, but they shot 40, uh, 40% from behind the three. But we should focus in on Iowa State and what's going wrong here with this team. Wigington gets his opportunity to start. Horton Tucker's a me, not a we guy. We've been seeing more and more of that. I mean, how many times is... I don't want to steal Gary Dolphin's line, put his head down and try and dribble through the whole team. At least his head is up uh, as he goes to the basket and tries to do a, you know, an, an underhand, whatever, uh, when he gets himself in trouble, tries to make the best out of a bad situation when it's gone too far. I, I don't know, Trent. I don't know how you're going to reignite this team. Is Hilton Coliseum got any magic in 2019 to use it on this team? I mean, this is Texas Tech. It's not Oklahoma State that's mm-hmm. paying a visit. And and that's the reason that it's almost impossible to pick this team. If it was almost anybody else, I would feel really good. But because of the way Texas Tech plays, the way they get after you on the defensive and mm-hmm. what they do... They'll, 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 they'll take your heart out of the game. And Iowa State... Hardly got a heartbeat right now. Yeah, they they feel like the Tin Man. That's they what this do. team is. It's it's impossible to envision it. Can it happen? It can. Yes, because there is still talent, and it could come together at any point. I don't see it happening. Nor do it, I. It's hard to pick it to happen. Yep. But that is the only hope. What did you think about your guy Lewis last night? I thought finally he played some. I think he played probably more minutes than he has in a long he time. Did. He yep, got back yep. in the in the uh, uh, in the scoring column last night. Finished with seven points. I think you got to find more minutes for him. I mean, at this point, what have you got to lose, right? What yeah. have you got to lose? You had you had Jacobson and Condit on the floor at the same time. I'm playing George Condit. I'm giving them all of large minutes. I really and truly am. If Jacobson's 22 minutes, uh, Condit's 18. Or if you want to play them together, I don't know who the other guy would be um, that would be on the floor at the time. But the, the last guy I'm putting out there, I've seen enough of Cam Lard. You know, Cam Lard's not going to be here next year. Right. He's not yep. going to be here. There's no way in hell Cam Lard's going to be a Cyclone next year. I mean, that ship has sailed. And last night at the end of that, that was disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. That's what you want to see your teammate doing. You want your, and, and some of the excuses amongst the faithful, and God knows they are still faithful, not all of them, but certainly a, that it was, they were playing a joke on the student section behind. They were chanting at Condit to sit down, and apparently that struck Lard's funny bone. That wasn't it. That had nothing yeah, to do with it. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Uh, but, uh, it certainly struck his funny bone, and for the cameras to catch that. And good for you, Nate Toit, for, uh, for finding that on, um, I don't know how he does it. I gotta get better at Twitter. Be able to include video and in some tweets. Yes. That's yeah. instantly happening. I think you have to have internet in your TV, right? Oh, you could, I mean, you could record it from your phone. It wouldn't be as good yeah, quality. I don't know how to do that. Anyways, yeah. I'll, I'll rely on other people to, to do that work. But look, you put it out there and it was kind of 60-40, the feedback. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised. I mean, there, there's, there's no excuse for that. You're getting trounced by the worst team in your conference. And you're finding time to, I mean, he was doubled over in laughter, Trent, with less than two minutes in the basketball game. And you're peeing your pants. Come on, Cam Lord, be better than that. Maybe just because of the way the game was going, because it was a blowout. I don't know. I, I, things happen. Funny uh, things can happen. No, I, I, not at that point. They yeah. can't hold it in. Bite your lip. Do something. Don't don't laugh like no. That wasn't funny. There's nothing funny about getting drummed. About getting drilled this late in the season. Sure. I mean, my God, it, it's difficult. It, it is so. 
we come to, I think, the point that a lot of people are wondering, and it's about the head man, Steve Perlman. Yeah. He's, he's lost the team. He's trend. lost the team. There, there's no doubt. I, I don't think there's any any way that you can look at it and say anything but that. But is this a a hill too high for him to climb? I mean, is is this something where this is a program that is now going to be trending in the wrong direction, and you got a rebuild in front of you, and you mm-hmm. got fences to mend, and and can mm-hmm. it go right going forward? You know what I saw a lot last night on Twitter from Cyclone fans was mm. a lot of memories of Greg McDermott and that era. Yeah. It's not a good place to be right. Heading. And they got lucky there when Creighton came a-calling because he was coming back for another year. Let's, um, Yeah, he was coming back for another year. Look, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not saying that Steve Prohm's not going to be there next year. I think that's ridiculous at this point to say. We'll see how they, you know, see how they play on Saturday if they can show any heart any fight and i don't mean amongst themselves right i really don't and i love jacobson i love what he's doing in full disclosure i'm i'm you know i, I know bill is dad mm-hmm. and katie is mom and i've been out in social environments with him so i've got a little bit maybe of a bias because of his parents by the way dr jake was right behind uh saw him yeah see i didn't at first when i when the uh, the lard episode was unfolding on there's doc jacobson right behind there uh following his son around the big because he's been he's been on the road with him a lot uh anyways um wigington gone uh weiler bab we know is going to graduate he's gone i would anticipate we know shayok's gone uh um, lard lard is gone lewis is he had enough probably i, I would mean- think right Go to, you know, go play at UW Milwaukee, mm-hmm. go back home and mm-hmm. probably average. Callie's a senior, right? Yes, yeah, he's a yeah. senior. He's done. So it's about the, the young guys. Yeah. And we didn't see you much. May as well play him. We didn't see much Zion this year. Nope. Hardly at all. No. Nope. We got to see plenty of Taylor Horton Tucker and, and uh, Halliburton. Mm hmm. Kind of, we're seeing a little bit. At least bit more. Halliburton was willing to shoot the ball last night. Yes. Something that isn't always the right. case. It hasn't been I mean, with it him. was, and then he kind of had that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. If he was trying to involve his teammates, he's clearly a pass-first type of player, and you, you appreciate that in him. But when the opportunity's there, you got to hoist it up and at least plant that seed uh, in the opposition uh, that you're willing to you know, take a shot every now and then. And he did last night, and I thought he got rewarded by it. I thought Halliburton played one of his better games. Uh, in the Big 12 over over the last month. But, man, trying to find, find bright spots coming out of that, the, the bright spot again. If Shelby Mast is right, your Cyclones are going to be playing in downtown <laughs> Des Moines in the 7-10 game with an opportunity to take on Kentucky and you know what? on Saturday. They'll be pumped up for it. They'll be excited. They'll bang the place out, and they'll have what we talked about last night, last week, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people in the building. Mm-hmm. That's what Cyclone fans do. Even yes. as bad as this team has looked, they They're would a loyal absolutely fill it up. And I give them all the credit in the world for doing that. And you know what? Michigan State, if it is Michigan State. I've seen Michigan. But it could be Michigan State. Yeah, it could be, sure. Just depending on the way the bracket goes. Hey, get to play mm-hmm. them close to home as opposed to having to play in Auburn Hills. Yeah, Not quite the same as an Elite Eight. <laughs> and more than likely the national championship game. But... Trent, that could that was if it would have, should have, man. Uh-huh. Go back to that one. That was if it would have, should have. Had them. Oh, they did have them. Had them no on the ropes. About it. What a team that was. What a team that was. All right, we're going to switch gears. Hawkeyes in Wisconsin go at it tonight. Hawkeyes are reeling. <laughs> reeling? Reeling. Uh, and here's a Wisconsin team that's going to say goodbye to one of the greats. Uh, they're greats to you know ever wear that uniform. And Ethan Happ, he will say uh, goodbye to the home folks for the final time as they will close down the Kohl Center and the, at least the home portion of the Badgers' schedule this year. And here's the thing with Wisconsin. they got a ton to play for. They 
hold serve, they get the double bye. Yep. Double bye for Wisconsin. Maryland's hot on their heels, and they split the regular season. And I was too lazy to go through the tiebreakers if indeed that happens. But right now, here's what I know. Wisconsin holds serve. They win tonight. They win over the weekend. They get the double bye. Lots to play for for the Badgers. Hawkeyes-Badgers conversation. We'll do basketball, college basketball from a national perspective in, oh, 25 minutes or so from Kerry, with Kerry Miller Bleacher Report. Mark Morehouse going to slide on in here as we're going to talk some football. Get away from all this basketball conversation. It's depressing, quite frankly. Uh, we'll talk to Mark Morehouse, and then Andrew Logue slides in before we get out of here at noon. Glad you're with us. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 14 With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well done, Trent Condon. Uh, It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Must be about to talk a little Badgers. Yes. Indeed we are. Jim Poles from the Wisconsin State Journal. He joins us. Jim, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Jim, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? Doing well. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, I guess what I want to ask you is first and foremost about Ethan Happ, who, along with a couple other guys in this uh, uh, on this team, will bid adieu to the home uh, fan base for the final time. Wow, what kind of impact has Hap had? Is it maybe too hard to put into words in kind of a short sentence, I'm assuming? But his overall impact on this program, I'm guessing he's going to go down as one of the, you know, the all-time favorites to um, play for Wisconsin. Is that over the top? No, I think so. He's in the, you know, he's in the conversation for all-time greats here. Um, and you know that list obviously and recently would include Frank Kaminsky sure. and Devin Harris, guys like that, Orlando Tucker. Um, Habs put himself in that conversation just you know in part just look at the stats. He's he's top five all time at Wisconsin. He's actually top three all time in Wisconsin in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. And you know a couple of those categories are guard heavy categories. You know assists and steals in particular are. are Categories where you see a lot of guards top of the list, and and um, Haps put himself there. He just he's a, he's a different player. I'm not sure. You know, you're not going to see too many guys like him around here ever again. Six uh, ten guy that can bring the ball up the court. Uh, such a good passer. He spent really the last three years getting doubled uh, a lot in the post, sometimes tripled. Um, and you know, so he's had to he's had to trust the guys around him. And you know, and, and bottom line is he's done this all despite really not having much of a game outside of, of you know, five to eight feet. You know, most of his damage has come around the rim and um, against guys that are taller and physical. And so, you know, I could kind of go on and on about his impact, but it's, it's, it's huge. I'll say mm-hmm. that. It's, you know, it's, he's, it's, he's, he's, a, he's a legend here. There is the and or but, though, that goes along with it. It's a free throw shooting, something that... Sure. 
has dissipated throughout his career. We've seen more and more uh, the decision not to play him late in games. How big of a deal is that in Madison and with this Badger program? Uh, is it something that domin- dominates the conversation about this year's squad? Uh, you know, I think people talk about it a lot, yes. Um, and it's it's a factor when your best player, uh, you have to make that decision late in games. Uh, it's, it's not an easy decision. You know, you, you can't just focus on the free throws alone. Taking Ethan Happ off the court means that possessions don't run as smoothly because mm-hmm. he's your number one threat. He's the guy that creates. He's the guy that scores around the basket. Um, he's the guy that the offense runs through. So there's, you know, there's a trickle-down effect there. He's also, you know, he's, he's your best rebounder for sure, and he's probably your best defender. He's really become a guy that can guard a stretch four position and, and bang with guys in the post, too. So, you know, I, I, look, I've told people all along, if you take him off the game with a, take him out of the game with a minute left because you don't want him to get, go to the free throw line, you got to make the decision that you can't get him back on the court immediately to go down on the other end and 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 show his value there. So, it's it's been tough for for Greg Gard. You know, he's twice now I think he's done it two or three times. One time was frankly just because Hap wasn't playing well. He wasn't helping the team a whole lot, and it was kind of an easy decision that night. But I, you know, I think that's something that Greg Gard struggles with for sure. You know, seemingly they've had the same starting five for most of the year: Ravers and Davison, uh, Trisum and Iverson. Uh, but Pritzel's a guy who's coming from off the bench and, and really is finishing his season. Maybe that's unfair because he certainly had his moments. But he's a guy that you know you you, you, you very quickly your mind goes to Reavers and what he's able to do. And Davison is that guy that gets under your skin and you love him if he's on your team, you hate him if he's on the other team. And Iverson's so athletic, but Pritzel's really coming on and establishing his spot on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been important too because you know two of the guys you mentioned, Trice and Davison, the starters that guard um, have struggled. Their shots have struggled, uh, you know, of late, and so you need. You need contributions from elsewhere because Hap can't do it alone. So Pritzel stepping up the other day and, and knocking down four three-pointers was huge. And if he can do that more often, um, you know, that's a huge lift. This, this team, there's, there's a clear flaw with this team in that it's, it's, it's offensively they just have too many scoring droughts. And as you guys know, come March, um, you know, that's a, that's a sure way to, to have the season end in a hurry if you have one too many scoring droughts. So, Pritzel adding a little something off the bench has been huge. He's found other ways to contribute to. I mean, he's a pretty good rebounder for his size. He's probably their best guy in terms of movement um, off the ball. And so I think when he's in there, the offense gets going a little bit more. It's mm-hmm. not quite as stagnant. So you're right. He's he's a huge key. They really need all hands on deck. If, if this team's going to go from being a pretty good team to one that can make an extended run in March, you need – you need all the guys to contribute, and Pritzel's certainly a part of that. Davidson, while his shot's not falling, uh, he, he's one of those kids. Did I describe him accurately, that you love him if he's on your team and he's public enemy <laughs> number one if he's not? Boy, he's an agitator. Every team should have one. I think teams are better when they've got a guy like that, and he plays that role to a T. Yeah, I mean, he plays hard. He gets under he gets under people's skin. He's constantly on the floor, diving for loose balls. If, 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 here's another thing. If, you, if, you know, if you're at a game and, and sit close to the court, um, just listen to him talk. He's constantly talking, and not not trash talking. I'm talking like just um, or talking about uh, communication, just barking out orders to his teammates, just yelling out ball screens and stuff like that. He's just he's their best communicator, and he's their best leader, frankly. And it, you know that's why it's hard to take him off the court. You have a lot of people. I've got a lot of emails and a lot of tweets over the last couple of weeks saying, "Oh, he should be going to the bench and starting Pritzel." Um, you know, and he doesn't deserve as much playing time as he gets. And I, I, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, 
there's a reason that Brad Davison's plus minus is the best on the team. It, it, this team loses something with him not in the game. Just not even talking about stats. Just just the leadership aspect is huge and something Wisconsin really needs. This team isn't playing their best basketball. You know, they slogged their way through. Yeah. They got a win against the spread. I, I'm a degenerate gambler, so I know this. They're 0-5-1 against the number over the last six. Probably not something you put in the newspaper articles here. You know, but looked that up. I'm glad you mentioned it. I was, <laughs> I, I was seriously wondering because I, I didn't remember the last time they covered the spread. Yeah, and it, you, you got to go back, I think, to maybe the Minnesota game on the road, I think, was the last time that they did it. So we're talking a month ago. And Iowa is in a similar state. Even when they were winning games, they were doing it by the skin of their teeth. Is that something that is being talked about a lot? Is that something that is being talked about overall with this squad that, yeah, they're winning, but they're not winning and playing well? Yeah, I know if I, if, you know, just based on my Twitter mentions and replies alone, and I know that's not the best way to judge something because there's an echo chamber on Twitter, but, hmm. um, you know, I've gotten a lot over the last couple of weeks of, oh, this team's going to be, um, you know, a 5-12 upset candidate or a 4-13 upset candidate. Um, and, you know, and I understand that sentiment. I, I get that people are kind of down, especially it's hard to watch a team that struggles to score. It's hard to watch a team that, even when it wins, wins games 56-51 and stuff like that. Um, and you look at this team as a whole, the resume is pretty good. I mean, they're, they've been in the like number 12 in the net or higher or right around there for most of the year, in part because of basically what they've done over a three-week stretch. One, one stretch was in November, late November, when you guys saw them. Um, that win at Iowa completed a stretch where they had won. Um, they'd beaten Oklahoma in the Bahamas. They had beaten NC State um, at home earlier that week. So that was a really good week mm-hmm. for them. And then there was a two-week stretch you talked about where they were actually you know, covering spreads. They'd won at Minnesota. They'd beaten Michigan and Maryland at home. So a bulk of their resume was accomplished you know, in a really short stretch, and they've grinded out other wins along the way. And um, so, But you know, I, I don't know how good this team can be, I basically, is, is, is is what I'm saying is, you know, like I said earlier, we've seen them be a good team most of the year. Taking that step to great is 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 really difficult, and I'm you know I'm not sure we've seen uh, much evidence of that this year. Jim Poles in Wisconsin State Journal is our guest. Jim, I, I got a football question before we get out of here. Pursuant to the quarterback in the battle, you know, with Hornybrook on, save that for a second, but I do want to get to it. You know, I'm just a Big Ten conference overall. So who's the best team that you've seen? in Big Ten play, and then if you had to buy stock in one of the, you know, over the last couple of years, Penn State and Rutgers, kind of the doormats, if you will, I think both of their arrows are clearly pointing up, and it was a hell of a game last night as Penn State pulled off the uh, win over Rutgers. Um, so who's the best team, and then what about those two doormats, Penn State and Rutgers? Are you, like me, buying stock? Oh, great questions, both of them. You know, the, the first one's really, really tough, and I hate to cop out, but it, it really depends on the night. You know, I've seen there was a stretch where I thought Michigan State was the best team for sure. Um, and then, you know, they've looked bad at, at times. And certainly, you know, they're not at full strength with Ward out and, and not having Langford for most of the season. Um, Michigan, I think when Michigan's really good, you know, that can be a Final Four type team because they play, they play defense so well. Um, and if you can just get enough offense, you know, they're a dangerous team in March. I've really liked Maryland at times because, mm-hmm. you know, that's a team that kind of has it all to me. They have two bigs that are really, really good. Um, they have a lead guard in Cowan who's you know can get to the basket when when possessions go bad. He's a guy that can get there and make something happen. And then I think they have enough shooters and athleticism around those guys that that you know that's a team I could see making it to the second weekend of of the NCAA tournament and and maybe even further. And you know I don't know that I trust Mark Turgeon enough. Maybe mm. that's the <laughs> the issue with them. But 
you know, so I just gave you three, and I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. And and, and Purdue sitting there being Purdue and, and mm-hmm. winning close, tough games all season long. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I would take Michigan State just because of the Tom Izzo factor. And you know, I guess I could say the same thing about Michigan with John Beeline. I, I don't know. I'm copying out on you, and I hate to do that, but it's just this 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 year has been really tough to figure out on a night to night basis. Um, even even among the games, the teams that aren't you know aren't among the top five, it's just it's hard on a night-to-night basis to know who's going to win games. Um, your second question, I would take Rutgers. Uh, you know, I really like Steve Peichel. So do I. And even when he didn't have the players, his teams were playing hard. And now I think he's got a little more talent in there. And they're, you know, I think that's that's a program that's trending upward. I don't know what the feeling is there, but um, you know, they're a tough team to beat every night. And you know, I like the way that program's headed. Let's get into a little football here before we let you go, Jim. And uh, the Badgers, a step back from what we were certainly used to last year, one-year anomaly or concerns that you know the program that was built up from Alvarez and into Bielema, that maybe it is taking a step back overall. What, what's the general feeling that you get? You know, it's, you know, it's tough. I mean, I, I don't like one-year um, sample sizes. Because it's just so hard to tell. I, you know, I, I don't think this program's slipping back into you know mediocrity. I really mm-hmm. don't. Um, so, so I think that's why this year is important. You know, I, I really want to see how they bounce back this year. Uh, you know, last year was weird. It just that that team should have been better. Um, you know, the one thing you can point to though is if your quarterback play is not right. good, it's going to affect everything. I don't care how good your defense is. They had one of the best offensive lines. They had one of the best running backs. Um, when you're not getting good quarterback play and you're not able to keep the chains moving on third and medium and third and long situations that's just it's going to have a trickle-down effect and i think it really did and now obviously like you said the the big question going into this spring is you know who's going to be the quarterback next season um hornerbrook left the program and had some you know head injuries that kept him out a lot of last season so now jack cone would be the, the logical candidate i like mertz yeah everybody likes Graham mertz i mean and, and that's you know i do too after seeing him on film and in you know, I watched a couple of his high school games on live stream. Um, you know, I, my only hesitation is that a true, it's not easy for a true freshman sure. to come in and start, yeah. and especially in Paul Chris' system. So, I, you know, I really need to see it with my own eyes in the spring and in the fall, and, and you know, that'll be a decision for Paul Chris. But, you know, from, from you know, he looks like he has it. That's what I'll say is Graham Mertz looked like he has everything you want in a quarterback, and now it'll just be a matter of how well he picks up the offense. Mm, Badger fans keeping an eye on Lincoln and what's going on there with the uh, Frost squad. I think so too. I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, I like Scott Frost what he's doing there, and I think he's kind of reinvigorated that that program and and kind of they're getting back to the old Nebraska ways. And so, yeah, I, I think you know, I want to see where that program is this season and especially next season too. I think it's. You know, I think there are some some things to like there. Jim, great uh, job. I appreciate you coming up. By the way, how long have you been on the Wisconsin beat? I think I've been talking. You're a young guy, relatively young, and I've had you on various programs I've been on for I years. Am. I look younger than I am. I so this is my eighth year on eighth year on the basketball beat. I've been around the program probably uh, close to twenty now. I thought yeah. so. Yeah, I'm forty three. Okay. I always remember my my basketball beat. I always remember because I. I got here when or I started the beat when Frank Kaminsky was a freshman. So I, I basically gotcha. had four years of Frank Kaminsky, four years of Ethan Happ, and that's not a knock on anybody else, but that's my easy way of remembering <laughs> Good what stuff. year I am on the beat. Jim, thank you. Look forward to catching up to uh, with you uh, down the road. Thank you, Jim Polzin. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Jim Polzin, Wisconsin State Journal. As we take a look at Wisconsin, boy, that football conversation got me pumped up, Trent. Yes. I could do more of this.
I was, and and I had a lot more in the holster too. But we got to get back to hoops. I know. Well, it'll be here. The off season will be here. And yes, we'll go around the Big Ten West a lot. We'll have plenty of off season for that, Ken. Don't worry. Okay. Hold you to it. Yes. Uh, basketball conversation but from a national college basketball perspective. Next, Carrie Miller, Bleacher Report. Trent and I will talk college hoops on a national perspective. More Big Ten West conversation, however, football-wise, in the 11 o'clock hour. Mark Moorhouse is going to slide on in here. We're here until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 14-6 and solve hunger. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. If you miss any portion of the program, KXNO.com has the podcast at the podcast link. Uh, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, will uh, talk about uh, Reese Morgan walking away from uh, Iowa, retiring after 19 years, and Andrew Logue. About 11.35, we'll do a little MLB, Royals fans, uh, really tough blow, Salvi Perez, the face of that franchise, or Alex Gordon. Perez. Perez, Perez, yes. yeah, oh yeah, face of that uh, face of that team uh, out for the year. But let's get Kerry Miller in here, Bleacher Report. He's their national writer, one of them, and he joins us. Kerry, uh, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. No, appreciate you coming on. So I want to fast forward to Saturday in part two of Duke and North Carolina. What's your opinion as whether we'll see Zion Williamson and and if he doesn't play here? Um, I mean, what's the likelihood that he wears that Duke uniform at all anymore? Where are you with Zion Williamson and potentially his career being over at Duke? Yeah, that's that's where we'll start to really worry if he's not back on Saturday. I mean, I, I thought once the injury happened, even if he was you know able to return, my guess was that it wouldn't be until this game. Like if they, I mean, as we saw, losing to... Uh, Excuse my baby, she woke up a little early. <laughs> um, if they lost to Virginia Tech or they lost at Syracuse, it wasn't going to kill them. You know, worst case scenario, they dropped to like a two seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the end of the world if you have a healthy Zion. Um, but yeah, now if he doesn't play this weekend, you know, maybe they're just giving him another five days off or so until the ACC tournament. They're going to get that double bye regardless. And this game doesn't again, matter that much in the grand scheme of things unless you really care that much about a, a rivalry win. Um, so I think he'll play, uh, not not based on anything that I've heard through the grapevines or anything, but that's just my guess. Um, and if he doesn't, then we will start to get a little bit more concerned. If this goes forward to the ACC tournament, he doesn't play there, and say Carolina gets him again, they're 3-3 three and three without Zion, go 1-1, one and one, maybe get knocked off by somebody even in the quarterfinals, can even put this Duke team on a two-line, not knowing if he's going to play in the NCAA tournament because it's supposed to be the team that is going to be out there on the NCAA tournament floor. And frankly, that team hasn't been very good. Yeah, I think mostly because the gap between the top two seeds and the rest of the country is so wide right now. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU is probably the one team kind of making a push to make it a nine elite teams instead of eight, but then you've got the same argument with Michigan State, how they've been playing without Nick Ward and Josh Langford. Now Kyle Arns is out. Uh, I think Duke proved by winning at Syracuse that they still do have you know, a fair amount of talent on that roster. Uh, they should still be at least a, 
a Sweet 16 team, and I don't think the committee will penalize them that much. But if it does turn out that Zion's not back, and we know that by Selection Sunday, I do think a two is much more likely. Uh, Even if they happen to win the ACC tournament without him, if we find out that he's done not coming back, that might be something the committee considers and gives a one seed to uh, the SEC or Big Ten tournament champ instead. Hmm. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report, is our guest. Kerry, there were nine Big 12 fan bases that celebrated uh, in mass on, on Tuesday night when Kansas got picked off by Oklahoma, uh, ending that streak at 14. We'll never see that again, will we? I don't think so. Certainly not at a, a major conference. I think even Gonzaga, I think, lost one year a few years ago, and you know they are clearly the best team by far in the West Coast Conference. So just to have that consistency in a major conference is unbelievable. And especially in a conference that, you know, for the last six or seven years has consistently mm-hmm. been number one on Ken Palm. Yep. It's loaded from top to bottom. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I know everybody immediately reacted to the, the loss and, you know, their their first thought was, wow, this, this streak has been incredible. But uh, I think we can marvel at that in the offseason and, and use this time to really worry about whether Kansas is a legit uh, Sweet 16 team or not because, man, that, just like Michigan State and Duke, that's a team that does not look the same without uh, that full roster we thought they were going to have. Kerry, Ken, and I, we both really like this Texas Tech team. We believe they can make a big run come tournament time. They were an Elite 8 team a year ago, though a different squad certainly this year. We like the makeup of them. How about Kansas State? They also got to the Elite 8 last year, be it getting through a 16 in the round of 32 as opposed to a 1. Can you see that kind of run again, short of depending on matchups, obviously? Could you see that again out of the Wildcats? I think so. I mean, they were, if you remember in the preseason, um, you know, I think they were 12th in the AP poll. I had them projected as a 2 seed before the season even began, and I think we kind of forgot about that when they lost to uh, Tulsa. I think it was like a 47-46 game, and it was just like, wow, this team sucks let's get rid of them and then they started vying for that big 12 title and all of a sudden people remembered that they brought back everybody from that elite eight team and that's why we were so into this team in the preseason Mm -hmm. and you know not having dean wade healthy early in the season really hurt them Um, i know right now they're without uh cartier jada getting him back would be you know a huge help but i think they have that talent Uh, i thought they did before the season um so yeah both both kansas state and texas tech legitimate uh, Elite Eight talent, for sure. Yeah, K-State, and you hit the nail on the head. The lack of depth, maybe, um, might come back to get them. They've been really good, but foul trouble obviously could uh, play a major impact on K-State's fortune. Let me ask you about Virginia. In your mind, are they the best team in college basketball? Uh, I would go with Gonzaga. Okay. And before uh, Kentucky got stomped by Tennessee on Saturday, I would have put Kentucky 2 and then Virginia 3. Now I guess I would say Virginia 2 and Kentucky 3, but they're definitely up there. I'm not going to uh, see the bracket on Selection Sunday and whoever their 16 is matched up against think, oh boy, UMBC might happen again. There's no way. They're going to be so dialed in for that game, provided they don't have their annual injury problem in mid-March. Every year that team seems to be banged up at the wrong time, but if if uh, Hunter, Guy, and Jerome are healthy, I think they're a Final Four team. Um, you know, again, depends on the draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could just run into a hot shooting 
team and they'd get into some trouble because that that uh pack line defense uh they they want you to shoot threes and if they were to face like a team like Wofford that can make 15 threes in a game with its eyes closed uh, that could be some trouble um but i think draw excluded they're definitely a top three, top four team. Kerry, hmm. my last thing for you. I think Trent's got one to finish up with you. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report, National College basketball writer there. Is is there a, uh, a team from one of the power conferences that isn't going to win their conference, that maybe won't even finish second, but um, for whatever reason was kind of lingering around the middle of the pack, but from your eye is playing their best basketball at the right time of year that maybe is going to do better than their seeding uh, is once they get to that tournament. I guess, Again, we don't have matchups we don't know, but is there a team you're keeping your eye on that maybe underachieved a little bit so far? I think Maryland is the one team that I keep looking at. Um, they're probably going to be a five or a six seed, but they they have the talent for sure with Fernando and Smith and Anthony Cow and uh, Wiggins. If Wiggins and Ayala are shooting threes, they're they're really hard to beat. The only real question for them has been consistency based on their youth. I, mean, I think Cowan is the only junior or senior in their primary eight-man rotation so they've had a little bit of inconsistency all season long but when they're at their best they are they are really good uh so i think they could they're probably not even going to get a double buy i don't think in the big 10 they're not at this point succeed in that so if they do make a run it would uh be a bit of an unexpected one but yeah i think they're they're probably going to be a five or six in the ncaa tournament and they're they're a team that i'm going to have a hard time penciling out uh, before the Sweet 16, that's for sure. Kerry, we'll let you go on the local front. Your national perspective, two teams certainly going the wrong way in our state with Iowa and Iowa State. Any hopes going forward for the Hawkeyes or Cyclones? Uh, I mean, I liked Iowa State a month ago. <laughs> Not yep. so much anymore. Um, Iowa seems to just be falling apart at the seams. You know that better than I do. Uh, the whole Fran McCaffrey blow up and mm-hmm. subsequent loss to Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, Iowa may even be a bubble team at this point if they lose out. Uh, I think they'll get in, but probably as like a 10 seed, and really nobody's going to be picking them if they do continue to lose. But I think Iowa State could turn it around. They're still going to be probably a 6 or a 7 seed. Um, at least we know they won't be matched up against each other in the first round because they play during the regular season. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I like Iowa State's talent more. Um, I was one of the few people who was high on Iowa in the preseason. I'll, I'll say that much for myself. I wanted to pick them like fifth in the conference, and I was looking at all the various previews around the country. Everybody had them 10th or 11th. I was like, ah, I better hedge my bet here, pull back a little bit. But <laughs> I think uh, they, they exceeded expectations for most people, and now they're kind of falling back to where most people thought they would be. And that's not a good thing to do in early March. Uh, Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Kerry, thanks for uh, giving us some time here today. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Reverend. Yep. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report, National College Basketball Writer, uh, as we go around college basketball from a national perspective. All right, one hour down, one to go. Mark Morehouse, Andrew Logue slated to join us. Miller and Condon. With you until noon every Monday through Friday, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.